Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be encouraged in your journey and that your relationship with Father God will be strengthened and deepened. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. It is amazing, amazing, amazing to see so many faces here, and welcome to those who are joining us on live stream as well. Um, I mean, what an, what an amazing time. I'm just like, actually, this is the biggest service I've been in, I think, since I've been a part of GMC. So, um, and, and when I think about um, where the Lord is leading us right now, like this, the worship today was so beautiful. You know, we kept singing, behold him, behold him. Just magnifying the name of Jesus. I know that this is so much on the heart of the Lord for us in this season. You know, in Psalm 27, verse 4, King David, he says, um, there's one thing that I ask of the Lord, like one thing that I desire, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of him in his temple. And, and King David, what he, what he says, you know, he had... Um, you know, we're coming to the end of a, of a season, it feels like, where we can actually finally do some of the stuff we've been waiting to do for years. Well, when David became king, he had been waiting for years and years and years to be able to arrive at the place that he was. And when he got to that place, I still believe the deepest cry of his heart was not all the things he was able to do with his wealth, with his, the freedom that he had as king. The cry of his heart was, there's still only one thing I want to do. And it's just behold Jesus. It's to gaze on him. It's to put my eyes on him. It's that my focus would be on him, that in the midst of everything, Jesus was still his everything. And I love that we're, we, we started this new season or a new series last week, a, a focus on Jesus. And this is our primary call as a body of Christ, that our eyes would always, always, always be on him. And so I look forward in anticipation with what the Lord's going to do in the coming weeks. You know, I was, in the last few years, as I've been kind of reading through Luke, something started to stick out in, to me in Luke that I hadn't really noticed before. There's this really interesting progression, and it's about Jesus' interaction with the Holy Spirit. In, in Luke 3, verse 22, Jesus, he's baptized by John the Baptist, and it says that when he's baptized... The Holy Spirit, the Spirit came down on him like a dove in bodily form. So he's anointed by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit comes down on him like a dove. And I, there's so many of these aspects where I just wish I could have been there to see that. What did that look like when the Spirit came and, and rested on Jesus? Then a few verses later in Luke 4 verse 1, it's all in like a two-chapter section here. In Luke 4 verse 1, we read after he's baptized, it says, Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led into the wilderness. Another thing I would have loved to see with my own eyes, what did it look like to see Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit, God filled with God? And scripture is so clear to point this out that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's not a point for this sermon, but it's interesting that Jesus never performed a single miracle until he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Not one before the Holy Spirit came on him. But here he is filled with the Holy Spirit. Then in a few verses later, in Luke 4, verse 14, we read, Jesus returned to Galilee, again, in the power of the Spirit. So even in just like 
two short chapters, we read that Jesus was anointed by the Spirit. Two, he was filled with the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. And four, he was walking in the power of the Spirit. I'm not quite sure why I'm using those four fingers instead of these, but it just occurred to me. These are weird things pastors think of. But he was walking in the power of the Spirit, and the question is, why? Why? And that's a question we're going to answer today. But before we do that, let's pray. Jesus, we just echo back to you what we just sang. That above it all, it's you. Above it all, it's you. And we just boldly declare that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. That you are exalted over everything. You're exalted over everything. And that at your knee, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that you are Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so we exalt you this morning. We worship you this morning. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would, you would enlighten our eyes as we look at Jesus, the anointed one. Would you give us revelation? Would you encounter our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen. So again, as I mentioned, we, we started this sermon series last week, a focus on Jesus, and, and Pastor Claude was talking about Jesus as a good shepherd, and one of the things, one of my favorite parts was that illustration, kind of that comparison he made where, where Jesus is a good shepherd and we're like sheep, and he just mentioned that sheep weren't exactly the, the sharpest knife in the drawer. They're not the, they're not the smartest animal. They're pretty helpless. Like they can't, they can't shed, they have to have, like they're so dependent on everything for the shepherd. And I, that so spoke to my heart because as much as we probably all at times like to, to think we can kind of handle our lives, uh, the reality is far from that. We, we can't do anything without him. And, I, and I, I love that message. And this week we want to focus on another aspect of Jesus as Jesus, the anointed one. And actually it's kind of fun this coming week in GMDS in our discipleship school here at the church where we're looking through the book of John and then into Revelation at these different descriptions of Jesus and what does that actually mean for us? Because we see these, these different descriptions in John's writings, for example, where Jesus is a good shepherd, Jesus is the door, Jesus is the bread of light, or the bread of life, he's the light of the world. And we know these statements, we've heard these statements, but what do they actually mean? And so one of the things we're doing in this series is we're looking at some of these different dimensions of Jesus and we want to go deep. We don't want to just be able to say Jesus is the anointed one. Well, what does that mean that he's anointed? And so that's what we're doing today. So probably most of us, we've all, most of us have heard of, of Jesus being referred to as the Messiah. And he's also called the Christ. So we're, we're used to this thing with Jesus the Messiah, Jesus is the Christ. Sometimes he's just referred to as Christ. And when we think of those titles, we often think, well, yeah, he's the Messiah, he's the Christ, he's God, he's... He's a leader, he's, he's noble. We think of these different things, but, but what do those terms actually mean? And, and we find out that Messiah is simply the Hebrew word that means anointed one. Jesus is the anointed one. And Christ is just the Greek word for the exact same thing. He's the anointed one. So whether we're calling Jesus the Messiah or we're calling Jesus Christ, we're calling him two of the, two of the primary titles we see for him in Scripture 
both refer to this reality that Jesus is the anointed one. And, and it's good to know that Jesus is the anointed one, but again, why is he anointed? What does that mean? What, what is it actually, why is that important that he is the anointed one? These are significant questions. So in the Old Testament, when someone was anointed, they would pour oil over them as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. In one of the Psalms, it talks about how good it is when brothers live together in unity, and it says it's like oil pouring down the head and pouring down the beard of, of Aaron the high priest. And when they were anointed, they would have oil poured over their heads, and often it was, it was a lot of oil, not just a little bit. It wasn't just a little dab. This was like mess your hair up, get onto your clothes kind of, kind of anointing and oil. And when that was done, it was done for a purpose. So for example, when, when David was going to be anointed as king of Israel, he was anointed with oil. He was anointed for a purpose to become king. And Jesus was anointed too. But instead of being anointed with oil, he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Another way of saying it is instead of being drenched with oil, he was drenched in the Spirit of God. Why? Well, actually, we were just looking at you know, Luke 3 and 4, and if we read on a little bit more in Luke 4, Jesus explains why in Luke 4, 18 to 19. He says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Pastor Brad, he spoke on this passage a couple of weeks ago. Or uh, not spoke on this passage, but he spoke on, sorry, on purpose a couple of weeks ago. And here, Jesus is declaring a key part of his purpose statement. A key part of his mission statement for his life. I think there's more to Jesus' mission statement than this. He, he doesn't really talk so much in here about salvation, but he talks about why he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And there's so much we can learn, because he's quoting from Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. But in, in Luke chapter 4, though, when he's, when he's quoting this passage, I love it because he's in a synagogue. It's like their version of a church. And he's reading from Isaiah the prophet, reading Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. And after he reads it, he says, today these words have been fulfilled, like in your sight, in your hearing. And then he goes and sits down. And it's like, oh my goodness. Like how intense would that have been to hear these words from Jesus' mouth? But he was referring to Isaiah 61, and one of the things you see in the New Testament is that sometimes they'll quote just a line or a phrase or a verse or two from the Old Testament, and often when they're doing that, they're actually referring to a whole passage. And so you get a couple of verses, but it was understood when Jesus was, was just quoting a little bit of Isaiah 61, 1 to 3, that he was referring to the whole passage. And so we're going to go and take a look at Isaiah 61, 1 to 3, kind of this, this full passage he was drawing on, because it's even more descriptive. Isaiah writes this, and he's writing this about Jesus. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And this is a description of who Jesus is and what Jesus does. 
It's so awesome. Who, who did Jesus come from, come for? It says he came for the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, the prisoners. He came for those who mourn, for those who grieve, for those who are, who are right now have a crown of ashes, for those who are filled with mourning, for those who are under a spirit of despair. And what's he going to do for them? He's going to preach good news to them. He's going to bind up their hearts. He's going to proclaim freedom. He's going to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance, which was good news. The day of vengeance, that sounds a little heavy. No, he's proclaiming there's justice coming. There's justice coming. And so there's, this, there's an encouragement from him proclaiming the day of vengeance. He was comforting those who mourned. Right, like he was, he was providing for those who grieved. He was giving them beauty in place of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. He's basically saying, I'm gonna come and turn everything upside down. And these ones who are broken and struggling and despondent, I'm gonna fill them with hope, and they are going to be called oaks of righteousness. The most hurting and broken people, they are going to be called oaks of righteousness and they're going to be a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. This is who our Jesus is. And so often when I've heard this passage preached and even when I've taught it in my own life, I've been really, really quick to get to this, this, this secondary application point of this is what we're called to do as well. And, and, and I'm going to talk about that this morning but I think we move too quickly because this passage is not primarily about what we're called to do. It's primarily about what Jesus does. It's primarily about who he is. And first and foremost, over the last few years, the Lord's been speaking this to me. He's like, Brian, this isn't just what I want to do through you. This is what I want to do in you. And it shifted the way I look at this passage. Jesus wants to come to those places in my heart where I'm brokenhearted. Jesus wants to come to those places in my heart where I feel like I'm a captive. Those places where there's grief, those places where there's hurt, those places where there's despair. And he wants to come and bind those things up. You know, uh, this is a, n a number of years ago, I was, um, I was a youth pastor in Crystal City, and, and I, was, I was playing hockey on the, the senior hockey team there, so it was full contact men's hockey, I was more athletic back then, but still only barely, um, let's be honest, but, but I was going in to, to, to body check a guy, and as I come, he probably did a quick one, one over and looked at my girth and decided the best course of option was to put a stick up like this, so I go to hit him, and I get it like right in the mouth, and um, and so my lip is cut open, I'm bleeding, it's just swelling all up, and I got to preach the next day. And so I just remember like, like that morning even, like I'm trying to drink water and I have to drink it out of this side of my mouth because my lip is so swollen and I'm trying not to preach for this, you know, like you don't want to preach with that, that kind of thing. But, but in that scenario, I can forgive that guy for that cross check, but it doesn't change the fact that my lip is all swollen up and hurting. And I know a number of weeks ago, Pastor Claude, one of his points in his message was talked about how we need to step forward and walk in forgiveness. And we do. 
But the reality is, is that you can forgive somebody for something they did to you, and that doesn't necessarily mean that your heart is healed from it. The hurt can still be there. And you don't have to walk with that hurt. Jesus wants to heal us. And there's some of you here today, you can still remember, and you might be in your 60s, and you can remember something somebody said when you were in high school or elementary school. And the sting of that thing, it still hits you. And maybe you've forgiven that person over and over and over again, but the hurt is still there. I think what we often do is we we try to walk in forgiveness, we shove all that pain down on the inside of us, and then we just get on with life. But when we do that, it's like trying to run a race with two bags of garbage over your shoulders. Eventually, you're going to fall over, and when you stumble a little bit, boom, you're going to get your garbage all over everyone in your path. Because we've never allowed the Lord to come and actually fully heal us. And that's why I feel like the Lord's been confronting me with this over the last few years of saying, Brian, like, my love isn't just for the people around you. It's for you. (laughs) And his healing and his good news is not just for the people around you who need his healing. It's for you. It's for you. And so I, I think that this passage, when we, when we look at Isaiah 61, 1 to 3, it's primarily, in many ways, our first approach needs to be, Jesus, this is who you are. This isn't about who I am. This is about who you are and what you want to do in my life. And then secondarily, it's about what he wants to do in the lives of people around me. And then thirdly, it's about what he wants to do th- through me. But but we can't, we can't rush through this. We can't rush through this and like, okay, I got my mission statement, off I go, because what ends up happening is we have a bunch of wounded Christians. And it's hard to fully love people when you're carrying those bags of garbage around with you everywhere you go. Because again, eventually you're gonna get tired, you're gonna get frustrated, you're gonna stumble a little bit, and that garbage is gonna get all over everybody. This is always a time of year when you look at the, at the city streets and it's like, you know, it's, there's still some snow so it's not nice enough to get the, the machines out and clean off the streets. Haven't had that rain yet. Hopefully that's coming on Tuesday where it starts to clean things up. But everything looks a little bit dirty right now. The, the town could really use some spring cleaning. And coming out of two years of COVID, maybe it's a good picture of the, of the way many of our hearts look as well. We're saying, oh, good, we got freedom, we can get back to normal, but the reality is, is <laughs> we need some rains to come <laughs> rinse us out too. We need some spring, or some spring cleaning as well. So we actually have to give the Lord time to do this. And what I love is that Jesus doesn't only want to set you free, he was anointed with power by the Holy Spirit to set you free so he actually has the power and the ability to do it. And this morning, I, I, you need to understand this. You are not defined by hurtful words that have been said about you. You're defined by who the Father says that you are. 
and you are not defined by someone who maybe not just in the last two years, but maybe years and years ago, somebody in your life who withheld love from you. You're not defined by that. You're defined by the God who has invited you into his family as one of his kids without reservation. And again, you're not defined by, by some sin that you've committed. And you repented of it, you turned to the Lord, you, you asked for forgiveness, but you've been walking around with that guilt and shame. You are not defined by that sin. You're defined by the power of the blood of Jesus, which washes you and makes you clean. And again, God can use you when you're still wounded, but life is so much easier when you've got that junk cleaned up. Life is so much easier when we allow Jesus time to come and work on the inside of him. And he's so good because this is exactly what he wants to do. He wants to bind up those things. He wants to take the sting of words away from us that, yeah, we know what they said, but, but when we think about what they said, we no longer feel the sting on the inside because the Lord has healed us from it and set us free from it. He wants to do that for us. And we're going to come around to that point again at the end of this message. And then secondly, we also need to understand that this is a part of our purpose as well. And in Matthew 22, 37 to 40, Jesus, he's, he's answering the Pharisees and he says this. He says, love the Lord your God. They're asking him, what's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Again, Pastor Brad spoke on purpose a couple of weeks ago. If you're wondering what the purpose for your life is, why you're here, this is it. This is why you're here. This is your purpose. And Jesus starts off by saying, it's to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love him with everything you have. And we were talking about this over the last week, and we did a, a young adult conference last weekend. During this week, we did a, a youth discipleship conference during the week, and it was so good. And one of the points we made is that on the worst day of your life, your worst sin, the, the dumbest thing you've ever done, Jesus' love for you didn't change even by one little bit. On your absolute worst day, his love for you did not change even one little bit. And the moment you confessed and repented of that sin, Scripture says, if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He washed you clean. Your past doesn't count against you. It's washed clean and covered by the blood of Jesus. And, and his response that he wants is that we would love him with all of our heart. How good is that? It's pretty easy to love a God who bled and died for me to wash me clean. And it's so cool that his, his, his greatest commandment that he could give to us, what he's looking for is not like servitude. It's love. And so he calls us into this and he's saying, he's letting you know what he's like. He says, you know what I really want from you? I want you to love me the way I love you. Let's have relationship. This is not a burdensome commandment. This is an invitation to an amazing relationship with an incredible God. And then he goes on and he says, and the second commandment is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He is calling us to extravagant love. 
What is your purpose here on earth? Extravagant love. And we start off by responding to his love because later on in, in one of John's writings, he says we love because he first loved us. So we receive his love and we love him back and then we walk in love with people around us. What is the Lord asking of us of a church in this coming season? It's the same thing he's always been asking of us, but, but he wants to remind us of it this morning. We are called to love extravagantly. And I would even, and this is going to be a bit bold, but I'm going to say it. If you are not walking in an extravagant love with the Father, and you're not walking in extravagant love towards your neighbors, I don't know who you're following, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible. Because to be a disciple means to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. It means to follow his lead. And this is the heart, Jesus says. This, all the law and the, and the prophets are summed up in these, in these commandments. That we would love God extravagantly and we would love our neighbor as yourself. And we know in this parable, and we don't have time to get into it, of the good Samaritan. He says, well, who's my neighbor? And, and Jesus basically says, it's that guy you don't like. It's that person from that people group that you judge. That's your neighbor. Love him extravagantly. That's your neighbor. I believe it's on the Lord's heart that we as a church, not just, and when I say we as a church, not just GMC, but the church here in this region, we would be known for extravagant love. This is who we are as believers. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That we love extravagantly. And maybe that's intense to hear. Imagine preaching it because then I have to ask the question. Do the people that I connect with. And you think about the places where you might be. School, at work, coffee shop, family, friend groups. Are you known as a person who loves extravagantly? Do you walk away from conversations with friend groups and people, you know, the, the gossip they have about you is, man, that person loves extravagantly. Man, I feel so loved. I feel, I feel like, man, they're walking in this Isaiah 61 thing. I, I feel more hopeful. I feel encouraged. I feel blessed. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is the foundation. Everything else flows out of this foundation that we passionately love God and we extravagantly love people around us. I think, then this just naturally happens in life is, is over time we start to drift from the purposes of God. And we start to make the Christian life about us. It's just, it always happens. You don't, we don't need a pandemic for that to happen. Daily life will do that for you. And you get kind of caught up with work and it can start becoming more about business or it can start to become more about your, your goals for your life. It might become more about sports. It might become more about anything. Again, we don't need a pandemic for that. That's just the human mind and we naturally drift from that. And I think the Lord is calling his church to come back in alignment with his heart. He's calling me to come back in alignment with his heart. You know, I, I could very easily, like, <laughs> I think about the last few weeks, and man, I'd just love to have a conversation with you about gas prices, because I have some thoughts about that. 
but how is me talking to you about gas prices going to help anyone love Jesus more? I can like spew a bunch of stuff out at you. I can spew a bunch of stuff out in, my, in the midst of my friend groups. But how is that spreading hope? How is it helping to reach anyone with the gospel? Or is it just about me getting what I want to say off my chest so I feel a little bit better, but meanwhile, I've just dumped a whole bunch of garbage all over everyone around me. And I have to come face to face with the, with the reality, Brian, you need to make sure you're biting your tongue. Because there's something way more important than gas prices going on. There's a king who's coming back. And he's called us as a body, as a family together to walk arm in arm with each other in extravagant love. To be the person in those conversation circles that when we speak it, it turns a conversation to Jesus. It turns a conversation to hope. It turns a conversation to the healing power of God, the, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, to bring the light of Jesus everywhere we go. Jesus wasn't anointed in power. The Holy Spirit was not on him so that he could run a good business, although many of you will be called to run a good business. And the Spirit of the Lord was not on Jesus in power so he could be really involved in the community, although you might be called to be really involved in the community. The Spirit of the Lord was not on Jesus to run a good discipleship program with his disciples, you know? Like, for me, I'm called to, to run a discipleship school. That's not why the Spirit of the Lord was on him, though. The Spirit of the Lord was on him to set captives free. That is our mandate as a body of Christ. That's why we're here. And your assignment is going to be different from person to person. Your assignment might be primarily in the business world. Your assignment might be the Lord puts you in school. The Lord puts you in your, in your workplace. The Lord puts you in the coffee shop. But the reason why he has put you there and the reason why he has anointed you has way more to do about the people who are around you than the physical location, right? That the love of Jesus would flow through us because you're gonna be in places where you can connect with people and be a voice of hope and healing and truth. You're gonna be able to influence people I will never ever have a chance to reach. And I'm gonna be able to reach people you're not gonna have a chance to reach. And together as a body, we can reach this region for the Lord. Together as a body, the Lord can use us to go even beyond this region with the good news of Jesus. This is our purpose. This must be our focus. And again, I believe in this season, the Lord is asking the church to realign with his values. Is my life all about loving Jesus and loving others? Or do I have an agenda, you know? It's, it's more, you know, is it more important for me to save up money? Is it more important for me to do whatever thing is on your list? Because what we're called to do is be his voice. So what do we, what do we even do with, with that? I, I just felt like there were some questions the Lord would have us ask of ourselves this morning. We're so excited as a staff here at church, actually, right now, because we're able to open up more things 
We've been waiting for a while and it's so fun to have the freedom to run more programs again and do more things again. But if the heart behind it is not to love Jesus more and to love extravagantly, it's all a waste. And there's more freedom to meet with people and to hang out with people and, and do larger gatherings in a way maybe we couldn't do before. But if all we use those for is, oh yeah, it's for our own fun, I think we're missing part of the point because our primary mandate, again, is to share the love of Jesus with those around us. So here are some questions I want you just to ask of the Holy Spirit this week. And these are up on our, uh, the, the GMC Weekly. They're, they're up on our website as well under the sermon notes. Here are some questions to ask. The first is this, is what is your sphere of influence? Who are the people you're in contact with on a regular basis? Then secondly, how can you share the love of God with them? It requires intentionality. Because sometimes, we, I, I don't know about you, but I get together with my friends and I get, just get back into the same conversations we always have. There might not even be bad conversations, but we just always, you know, it's the same topics you always talk about with your closest friends. But, but how in the midst of those conversations can I share the love of God with them? Thirdly, are there some people you haven't been in touch with much in the last season that God is asking you to reconnect with? And I felt the presence of the Lord so strongly on this point this morning. I wasn't expecting to, but I just did. I just want to declare, like, the Lord wants to heal up some relationships. And some of you might even have people close to you you haven't talked to in two years. But there, are, there might, might also be some situations where it's not like, oh, there's something bad happened. Maybe it was just like, hey, you drifted apart from people over a number of years. But I want you to ask the Lord, hey, is there someone in my life I need to be reconnecting with? <laughs> the Lord's going to give you some amazing opportunities to love extravagantly. To overlook some hurts. To overlook some things that have happened. To reconnect and to share the love of Jesus. Because division has no place in the body of Christ. But he also wants to come and heal our wounds in the midst of it too. And then finally, how can you be a minister of good news, of hope, of healing, of restoration where God has placed you? You know, sometimes in the body of Christ, you know, the, the, the way things work in ministry is, well, we have some people on the platform, some people who are not on the platform, but in the body of Christ, we're all on the ministry team. You're a part of the GMC ministry team, and maybe you volunteer with stuff here, that's awesome, but, but our most important work that we do, I think in many ways, is, is Monday through Friday. The same spirit of the Lord that anointed Jesus is on you. That same mandate of binding up broken hearts, of proclaiming good news, it's on me. It's on you. It's, it's for us. And I think the Lord is calling us in this season to make that conscious choice and saying, hey, as for me and my house, I'm, I'm just going to follow in the footsteps of my master. I'm just going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And I'm going to love extravagantly.
again, I, I want the gossip <laughs> behind me, you know, when I leave a place to say, oh man, that, that guy, that guy, he, he loves well. So the Lord would call us into this. And normally this is when I would get you to stand up, pray for you, have the worship team come in and we'd be done. But I actually feel like when I was preparing, the Lord actually wanted me to go back to the, the first part of my message. Because it can be awfully hard to love extravagantly when you're carrying a bunch of hurt with you. And I, I believe the Lord is inviting us in for some spring cleaning. So we're going to have a bit of a prayer time here just in a moment, but I, but I also want to encourage you, uh, Pastor Chris here at church, he has a whole team of people who are trained in helping people walk through hurts. And sometimes, you know, a, a five-minute prayer time on a Sunday morning is not enough. But we have a team of, of trained men and women who would love to help walk you through some of that, because this is what we do in the body of Christ, we help each other out. Wrestling with hurt. Hey, don't try to fight through that on your own. Get someone else involved battling for you. It's so much easier. And so you can, you can get in contact with him and he will connect you with someone who can help you walk through that. We also have a prayer room right outside the sanctuary in the back with people who would love to pray for you as you process these things. But even right now, I believe the Lord wants to release some healing in our hearts this morning. And I would encourage you what we're doing this morning to even do throughout the week as other hurts come to mind. So here's what I want you to do. I just want you to close your eyes. And we're just going to ask the Lord to, to reveal some hurts that we're struggling with. And some of, some of us, we, we actually need to do this multiple times during the week. Because <laughs> there's, there's more hurts. And it's like, oh, you deal with one hurt. Well, we got 20 of them maybe. <laughs> That's okay. We can, <laughs> Jesus is really, really big. So Holy Spirit, I just ask even right now you would reveal to us areas where we, have, where we are carrying hurt. When I was praying and preparing for my message yesterday, I almost had this picture. It's like we were carrying these garbage bags. What's in your garbage bag of hurt? And then it's like I saw a picture of the cross and Jesus was beside it and he was inviting you to come and lay your hurt down there at the foot of the cross. Just lay that down at his feet. The Holy Spirit, we just invite you to, to move right now in our hearts. And I ask that you would speak truth over us. I ask, Holy Spirit, for the oil of joy for mourning. God, I ask for a garment of praise where there's been a spirit of despair. Some of you have been wrestling with anxiety and it comes from holding on to these hurts. And the Lord wants to actually break the power of that anxiety off of your life as you let those hurts go. There's other causes of anxiety, but I, I felt him emphasizing that. That, that, that area of, of hurts. Every time you see this person or think of this person, you get anxious. You don't even want to be around them. You just, ugh, it just causes stuff on the inside of you. And the Lord's inviting you to lay down those hurts at the foot of the cross and let his spirit come and minister truth to you. 
And so, Lord, I ask that you would do this today and also even throughout the week, Lord, in, in different areas that, Lord, we want to bring our hurts to you and we want your spirit to come and minister truth. And I, I just feel the encouragement even for some of you to, to even write down on a list in different areas of hurt that you feel and then ask the Holy Spirit in every single one of those areas to speak truth over you. Lord, and we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.